This is Hungry Gen Podcast, and I just want to thank you for joining us today. Here at HG, our vision is to see thousands saved locally and millions globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. This morning, I want to speak to you a message called Come Out of a Tent. Turn to your neighbors say, Come Out of a Tent. Amen. Let's go to the Bible together with me to uh, book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And it's going to be chapter 13 and verse 14. Then the Lord said to Abram, after, somebody say after, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. Now let's go to just a few verses before and that is verse 10. And Lot lifted his eyes. If you're taking notes, write this down. Abraham could not see the promise until Lot left him. Abraham could not see the promise until Lot left him. Now, this gentleman, Christian, is going to represent Abraham. Now, I want you to notice something about word Lot. Somebody say Lot. Lot. And somebody say Veil word lot in original means veil as long as lot was in Abraham's life you don't see God telling Abraham to look God gave him a promise and God told him to get out from where he was but it was after Lot left, the Bible says, after Lot left, God said to Abraham, look now. You got the promise, but you can't see because you have some people in your life, they are veils. Some of us cannot see the vision that God has for us because we're surrounded with lots. And when you get when a lot leaves your life, you don't have to drive a lot out. You, you have to let lot go. Abraham did not tell lot, leave me. That was his nephew. They were constantly having fights and frictions. Their shepherds had issues. And Abraham came and said, listen, we can be fighting all our life like this or lot. I want to remain civil. Let's be still in a good relationship. You are free to go. And this was a test. Because Lot should have humbled himself and stuck out with his uncle Abram. Instead, Lot lifted his eyes and got his vision. Now look at Lot's vision. He saw a land of Sodom, Gomorrah that looked like Egypt. It looked humanly attractive. He saw his own vision. It looked great. And this vision caused him to distance himself from Abraham. I'm speaking to somebody right now. God himself too close to Sodom. And then we meet Lot in Sodom. He gets defeated there. Eventually he loses his wife. He, leave, he loses everything he got from his vision, ends up in the cave sleeping with his own daughters while being drunk. I want to tell somebody in this room not to lean on your understanding. 
don't try to figure out life alone by yourself and don't think that you know better about the future the bible says lot lifted his eyes and he saw beautiful land and in parentheses it says before god destroyed it a human vision our own vision is the one that separates us from god's kingdom gets us too close to the world and then what happens is that it leads brokenness and devastation in our family now enough about lots because we don't have too many of them in our live stream or in the service i want to speak to abraham's abraham had a lot in his life and he was helping lot nothing wrong was that nothing wrong was with that until lots are having problems with abraham I loved Abraham's approach. He did not hold on to Lot. He simply gave him an option and the freedom to go. He didn't drive him out. He just said, listen, I don't want to have fights. Let's create a healthy distance. If you have people in your life, and I'm not talking about your spouse right now or your children. Some of you are like, look at your spouse like, honey, he's describing you. She is not your lot. She's your boo. So, okay, stick with her. Man shall cleave to his wife. She's not your lot. Okay, so do not take this message out of context. I'm talking about some of you are in the church. Some of you are in relationships with people that ever since you got too close with them, you lost your vision. You lost the sight of your future. In fact, you're only cooking in drama and all your life is you're discussing other people instead of discussing your future. And I just want to tell you that maybe you need to let him go. I'm not saying make a post how toxic and abusive they are. Just let him go. They want to go. Just let him go. But another thing I love about Abraham is that Abraham not only let Lot go, he didn't burn the bridge with Lot. Let me say that again. He did not create a post and said Lot is so and so and so. Abraham kept the bridge and the relationship but at a distance. You don't have to burn everyone you distance yourself from. You don't have to slander everyone you feel you no longer should be deeply connected with. Why? Because sometimes they will need to come back to you or you will need to come back to them. You don't have to gossip about everyone that left your life because they might need to come back. And for those of you who have maybe come to our church, I just want to encourage you that as God plants you in our church, don't talk about your pastor that you left. Bless him. Oh, but he was so and so. We don't want to know about it. Why? Because God brought you into the next. You got to leave your ex. You got to leave the past. Oh, but he did something really bad. Awesome. See a counselor. Go see a therapist. But God does not want you to walk into the next season of your life dragging the dirt from the previous one. For those of you that are in Hungry Jen and I just described your situation and you feel like Hungry Jen is holding you back. I want to give you something that's going to be so liberating. You can leave. We don't hold anybody back. Why? If it's in your desire to go, I will be the first person to bless you and to pray for you. 
and some people who leave I give them money some I didn't say all some are like man I'm gonna leave pastor give me money I'll come back next Sunday <laughs> a little sneaky over there <laughs> there are people and you may say why would you do that I want my heart to be pure before God and I do know I don't own these people I don't own the church we are not a Colombian cartel nor are we a Mexican mafia or a Russian mafia where you join through blood and you only leave through death so as a church we know not everyone is called to be at hungry gen and if you know that hey you lost your vision you lost your way and it's not because of offense it's not because of your you got hurt by somebody you need to deal with but you genuinely feel the Lord is transitioning you out I want to encourage you today to leave gracefully this does not mean that you need to go on Google reviews and leave a 27 points of what you think and what you don't like about Hungry Gen. Just because God is transitioning out, you don't need to slander the place because I can tell you, when you get the demons problems, I have an, I, I have an intuition you probably will be back. Because you'll be like, I know a place that deals with that kind of stuff. And so, so don't burn bridges in places you walk away from. And that's what Abraham, Abraham let Lot go, he didn't slander him and when Lot got in trouble, Lot, Abraham came and helped him and Abraham actually encouraged and interceded for the city Lot was in and this is how God wants us to leave churches, God, how God wants us to leave friendships in a such a way where we don't lose our love and kindness and we don't slander people. I love this because when Abraham had Lot left the Bible says and the Lord said to Abraham he said this look up see this is the difference between your vision and God's vision your vision my vision is when I see a vision but when certain people leave and God gives me the vision God gives you the vision that's different because now God is behind the provision for the vision come on somebody I want you to notice what happens with Abraham when Lot leaves if you go with me to the last verse of chapter 13 verse 18 then Abram moved his tent and then the later part of that verse it says and build an altar somebody say pitched a tent come on say a little bit louder come on church help me out say pitched a tent and build an altar so Lot leaves Abraham's life and this is when you know that you have a vision from God when you review your vision or you renew your vision and you renew your values somebody say vision and values vision meaning you get a fresh vision from God they left thinking you will make it and what actually happened is that you got a clear vision never allow people who leave make you feel like they stole your future they might have been part of your past but only God is a part of your future no matter how great they are some of you are here today and you lost a marriage last year and your spouse walked away and the spouse told you you'll never make it without me no my friend they are not God you'll never make it without God but you will still be able to make it without them 
Maybe you had a mom or dad who said, you'll never make it. You'll never amount to anything. You have no future. Your future is never connected to people that left you. It's always connected to God that stays with you no matter who leaves your life. Somebody give God some praise. If you know you got a future, if you know you have a hope, if you know that you have a destiny. God actually opened the future for Abram but you know what Abram after that what he started to do is he renewed his vision and he renewed his values because in the end look what it says about Abram pitched a tent build an altar you build things that are permanent and you pitch things that are temporary which means when people leave, when God removes people, He renews my vision and God resets my values. This is not an altar and that is not a tent. Every person who has a vision needs two things in their life. An altar that we build and a tent we pitch. Abram lived longer than most of us will live. Abraham was more rich than any probably person in this room but he had his values straight. This is temporary. This is eternal. My altar is eternal. My relationship with God is permanent. I will build my walk with God and I will also pitch my tent. I will pitch my business. I will pitch even my family. Some of you say, but my family is eternal. Not really. Your kids are going to leave you at 18. Oh, but my marriage is eternal. Absolutely not. When you're dead, your spouse will get remarried. Or when you die, you will in heaven not be walking around. I say, hey, come over here. We're going to live together. This is not a Mormon faith. It's not eternal. That's why you should never let your spouse take your relationship from God. You should never let your kids take your relationship from God because as all the respect that I have for a tent, it's not an altar. I have an altar and I build an altar and I have a tent and I pitch my tent and God bless your soul if you have a bigger tent that's awesome, comfortable tent that's awesome but never treat this as an altar. Look what happened in Turkey. Look what's happening around the world. Natural disasters, they all, and many people are like, why does God allow that? First of all, because of sin in the world. But honestly, I believe God uses that to wake all of us up and to realize to one thing. Tents are temporary. Altars are permanent. When people leave, Abraham renews his vision and he reevaluates his values. This I pitch. This I built. Can somebody say amen? amen? The second point I want you to write down and that is this. Abraham could not be successful without a successor. Let's go to chapter 15. So we'll skip chapter 14. That's where Lot gets in trouble. Abraham rescues him. And then chapter 15 and verse 2. But Abraham said, look God, what will you give me? And you would think Abraham would say, because I'm broke. Abram wasn't broke. Abram was very wealthy. Abram had a lot of slaves, servants and beautiful wife. Abram was the guy that a lot of people want to be actually today. 
I want to be successful, I want to be blessed and all of this stuff. But I want you to see how Abram defines his success. He says, look, look Lord, what are you going to give me seeing that I go childless? Abram doesn't think he's successful until he has a successor. It's not about what you leave, it's who you raise. It's what you set in motion when you're gone. For Abram, success wasn't about how big his tent or altar was. Who is after him to continue this and take this to another level? And he says, God, if you don't give me a successor, I am not successful. Why are you saying that I am blessed by you if I don't see how this will continue when I die? That's incredible because he's thinking generations, not just himself. I'm going to use an example right now and this is an example of South Korean revival. Before the war that was in South Korea, 4% of South Koreans believed in Jesus. During war, after the war, in 1985, so a year after, a year before I was born, 34% of South Koreans believed in Jesus. Now, put in perspective, they say when 15 to 10% of your community becomes Christian, you can already start shifting the culture. 34%? That's a lot of people following Jesus in South Korea. In fact, at one time, 10 denominations, 10 to 20 denominations, maybe it was probably 20 denominations had their largest churches in South Korea. Methodists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, Assemblies of God. Most of you have heard of David Yonggi Cho, the largest church in the world of about a million people at one time in South Korea. Now in 2015, you know how many Christians are in South Korea? Only 22%. Did you know that in 2015, do you know how many Christians are among the youth from 10 to 19? 3%, which is worse before even the war. You know how bad it is there? My friend, Brother Hugh, whom we had here at Hungry Gen, and he's coming again in about two months. He was holding a crusade in South Korea. He's South Korean himself. He went to David Yagicho's church. To ask for a rent. They gave him a rent for a 15,000 seat auditorium and the month before that event the church canceled him and they said you can't have our place and wrote a letter so nobody gives him a place. Why? What happened? How come a churches, how come Christians, largest church in the world and when a young man comes in who casts out demons, heals the sick, they shut him down. That's why it's on a decline in South Korea and that's why it's on a decline in the United States. Why? Because we define success without successors. We think success is we have a big church. We think success is people getting out of wheelchair. We think success, I have a big tent, I have an altar and I have a vision. And Abraham, he's the father of faith and he says, God, you can't call me successful if you don't have if you haven't given me a successor. My friends, stop thinking about success without successors and without succession. Our God is the God of Abraham 
and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph that means he's the God of Lad and he's the God of Zach and he's the God of the next generation and the next generation we cannot be a church that ignores the future by a not empowering young generation average age of a person in the church in America is 53 an average age of a person in our community is about 34 to 35. An average age of a person in the church in Tri-Cities is about 53. What does that tell us? That we don't have a future if we don't have young people in our churches right now. And most of us, most churches do not prioritize young people because young people cost a lot of money and they cause a lot of problems. And so what we do is we define success without succession and Abraham knew this won't work if I don't have a son. This won't work if we don't have a cell group. This won't work if we don't have clubs in schools. This won't work if we don't have a private school. But Vlad, that's five million dollars. It does not matter. If we don't invest into that, into the future, we will become a retirement center instead of being a revival center. Hungry Gen is going to be a revival center. And if we need to pay millions of dollars, fast and pray and stand by the road signs to raise for whatever we need to do, we need to invest into next generation. Not just the teenagers, but pre-teenagers. Not just pre-teenagers, but children. That's why our pastoral team, our leaders is joining to build the Avana school on Monday night. Because we have nothing else to do? Is it because most of us literally like, man, we just want to spend more time with kids? No, because we want to secure the next generation. That when we are 50, that we already have so many young people, layers and a pipeline of children speaking in tongues, filled with the Holy Ghost, that are taking on and that we are fathers of next generation instead of the critics of revival for the next generation. God treated teenagers as adults. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet at the age of 16. David was called to be a king at the age of 17. All of Jesus' disciples were teenagers with an exception of Peter who was 21. We must understand without succession, we don't have success. God's promise of success hinders on God's process of successors. Something happened 50 years ago and in 1970, um, in a campus, university campus, a revival broke out here in the United States where people started to share testimonies at the chapel service and students continuing worshiping for 144 hours. It was documented by books, newspapers wrote about this revival. This month is 50 years of this revival and on Wednesday, which was a few days ago, in the same campus, a revival broke out again. They came in the chapel at 10 o'clock to do a chapel service that chapel service hasn't ended yet you're seeing the right behind me and it's all over right now the news is picking up people are even flying there from UK universities are loading their students and filling them in buses to go there for the morning or for the evening most classes are canceled the president of the university really they're buying water some students drag mattresses to the chapel and say we will stay and sleep here the power of God of repentance, there is no lights, there is no speakers there, and there is no big band. Students are coming, hearing the word, repenting of their sins, testifying, and then going, getting some rest, coming back and doing exactly the same. 
universities are picking up right now this and it's beginning to spark everywhere around the universities why united states need a fresh move of jesus movement that touched our parents generation united states america needs a fresh move of children encountering god we cannot have success without succession we cannot have the future without our children and our grandchildren being touched by God. Hollywood knows that. Disney knows that. That's why they want to confuse our children. That's why they want to mutilate our children. That's why Molech wants to kill them in the womb. The devil has a strategy for next generation but so is God. When the enemy comes like the flood he raises a banner against him and we will rise and we will fight. We will rise and we will defend our families. Me and my house. My my children, my grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren will serve the Lord. They will not have an option but they will love Jesus. The devil you cannot have my family. The devil you cannot have my future. The devil you cannot have my children. They belong to God and they will possess the gates of my enemies. Amen. As a Christian, you might be successful in reading the Bible and praying and fasting, but can I ask you an honest question? Who have you raised? Who has become a Christian because of you? Who is your Isaac? The idea that I can be a Christian but I don't have to make disciples because I make excuses. I want to break that off of us. For us to see the kingdom of God spread like wildfire, we all have to be not just focused on success but succession and the best way it's done is go from a convert to a disciple to a laborer or worker in God's field and then to a leader convert you became you you got saved disciple is you developed your foundation in Jesus a laborer is you are working with other believers or other people to come to know Jesus it's not about a leader it's about worker so the question is not, I'm not a leader the question can you work on loving people can you be a laborer of love could you talk to your friends about the Lord could you get together with other moms could you open your house could you labor for God and then leader is when those laborers who have groups of people that they help to meet Jesus actually now have turned those people into laborers as well and now you're helping disciple makers to keep growing in Jesus Christ. In this way we as a church we have a continuum. We have a continuation and succession. I don't want our church to die with me. I don't want our church to get old with me. I want our church to grow younger because we are intentional about the next generation and because we're not turning this and this is with very big respect for the older people because I am joining your ranks every single year closer and closer. God does not want the church to be a retirement center. He wants it to be a revival center. That means your children, our children and our grandchildren should not only come to church, they should have a place to church and they should be more excited about coming to church than even you. Which means we have to do whatever is necessary to make that possible. And if that will mean to build a private school, if that will mean to start an Awana, if that will mean that we will have to take some of our best leaders to help us serve in this, whatever is next. If we don't do that now church, we will spend the rest of our life in regret. We don't want to do that. Not here. 
Amen. The third thing that I want to highlight, and that is Abraham is actually still Abram in this story. Abram could not count the stars as long as he was in his tent. If we go to chapter 15 and we see that Abraham is complaining that he doesn't have a successor. And verse 5, then he, the Lord, brought him outside. Somebody say outside. He brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. So I want you to notice that in chapter earlier, when Lot left, I want you to see the progression. God says, look at the ground, count the dirt. Because when people leave you, you tend to get discouraged and look down. And God says, when you're looking down, I want you to see nations as sands. But the veil was removed. He's able to see it. From this point until now, the verse I read, some people say it's been about 15 years and nothing happened. Abram has another problem. He doesn't have a lot problem. He has a tent problem. Tent problem is when you've lived for so long believing in that vision and it's not coming true that you honestly are willing to settle for Eleazar. You're willing to settle for anybody. So God just comes to him. He's in his tent most likely. And the Lord says, I will give you a son. And Abram says, God, how could that happen? I mean, you see what I'm surrounded with. We don't have a people problem. We just have a like, uh, I'm very old problem and I, I can't have any kids. And so my tent is where I'm at, Lord. And honestly, if we could just settle for anybody right now, for anything, I'll be completely fine, Lord. And God says, no, there's going to be no settling. I didn't bring you into this to keep you here. I didn't lie to you. I didn't exaggerate you about the, the, the stars and all of this stuff. So Abraham, we're going to have to do something right now. I want you to come out. The Bible says outside. Meaning the places where you've lived, where nothing changed for 15 years. I want you to come out of your tent by your faith. And this time, don't look down, look up. And look at the stars. Now, how many of you know you can't see them? Unless it's dark. Which means God says, in here, you were down. In here, it's dark. But they shine the brightest when it's the darkest. But you can't see the stars as long as you are in the place where you're constantly making excuses of why you're not doing what God called you to do. As long as you're letting your circumstances dictate what God says is possible. As long as you're looking at the doctor's report. As long as you're looking at who is not connected and your credit score and where you've been, what you've done. And you say, this is my possibility. This is what I'm able to do. And God says, I want you to remember that your circumstances are not your conclusion. You may have started here, but I brought you here not to leave you in the tent. I want you to come out of your tent and I want you to see the stars. When it's dark in your life, I want you to lift your head to the hills where your help comes from. And I want you to see the multitudes coming to my kingdom. I want you to see children serving me. I want you to see people getting out of wheelchairs. I want you to see blind eyes seeing, deaf ears hearing. I want you to see churches popping up like popcorn all around Washington State. In Hermiston. 
in Othello, in Yakima, in Spokane, in Federal Way, in Vancouver, Washington, in Vancouver, BC, in other nations. I want you to see that you may say, but how could that happen? It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. It will not happen naturally. There will be no formula, there will be no human strategy, but it will be the wind of the Holy Spirit that will bring Isaac. He will bring Jacob. He will bring 12 sons of Jacob and I will turn a family and make it into a nation. I will take a little neighborhood and turn it into a massive revival for my name and my glory. You know, our building is this tent and God wants us not to wait until we get a bigger building. God wants us to get a bigger vision that doesn't fit into this building. God wants us to see multitudes. God wants us to see stars. Because every star has a name. And every name has a story. And every story has a family. And every family has a destiny. And every destiny Jesus died for. Spirit of God seeks to influence. And they will either go into heaven or go into hell. Last Monday when we had a members meeting, we were sitting at the table and a lady who came a year ago to our church, who spent her life in promiscuity, alcohol, drugs and other stuff. And she starts to cry. She says, I came, one of the ministers prayed for me. The spirit of alcohol left me. She says, it's been a year and a month. I haven't touched alcohol in my mouth. He said, no AA meeting, not, we're not against that. No, she's like, but God supernaturally delivered me. He said, my daughter tried to commit suicide so many times. She ends up in the youth service, goes to a camp and God delivers her from spirit of suicide. And her daughter sits next to her and he says, now she's beaming with light. He said, because of my divorce, my son didn't want to do anything with me and we, he was so connected to his father that he was disconnected from me. And he says, now my son and I are so close and my son and his wife come to Hungry Chen. She said, Vlad, this saved our family. I went back home that day and you know, I talked to my wife and next morning when I was praying and I was meditating on this verse and I saw these stars and they didn't, they were no longer numbers but they were faces. And I've seen that vision of multitudes coming to Hungry Chen. But I would say this was the first time when a well of tears broke. I wept until I had no more tears because I saw people crying for help and us being stuck in here making excuses. Us being stuck in here and say we don't have the finances, we don't have the infrastructure, we don't have the time and honestly we don't want to. And I felt the compassion of God overwhelm my heart and He said, Vlad, if you would only know what I could do if you only will believe. I'm not asking you to do anything different. I'm asking you, can you see the stars? Can you see stadiums being filled with families and children and parents being changed by the power of the gospel? And the Lord reminded me that He didn't call us just to win few people. He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, not just for a neighborhood, but for Jerusalem, for Judea, for Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God's heart is so grand and is so big, it fits every sand on the seashore and every star in the galaxy. And God says, could you dream with me for people's destiny? I want to challenge you today, church. When we were in Colombia, 
Bogota, Colombia and there was a stadium of 10,000 people. The pastor who was with us last two months ago, he was there and we were sitting way in the back and he invites me over and he puts me on the edge pretty much of of seeing this whole stadium and he says, Vlad, I want you to stand. He says, and I want you to see because this is Hungry Jen. He says, that's exactly what God wants to do in Hungry Jen. He wants to bring multitudes to be delivered, to be healed and to be saved. My limited Paschal mentality says that's not going to happen. We're in Tri-Cities. Mega churches and mega movements don't start in towns like this. But then I remember Jesus was from Nazareth. It was such a small city. I remember David was from Bethlehem. It was also a very small city. Sometimes great things come in small packages. And I just want to inspire your faith today and to tell you to lift your eyes and look to the stars. I want you to lift your eyes and look to the harvest fields for they are ripe for harvest. People are hungry for the things of God. Devil has nothing new to offer but to kill, steal and destroy. Sin has nothing new to offer but divorce, heartbreak, heartbreak, suicide and demonic possession and eternal lake of fire. Jesus is still yesterday, today and forever the same. He still loves. He still heals. He still saves. He still restores and Jesus says, come out of your tent. See the vision. My Lord, I believed in this vision for 10 years. It's, the, it's getting late. It's getting dark. I'm getting older. I haven't seen anything. Lord, I honestly, I am tired of believing. I am tired of dreaming. I am tired of expecting. Can I just settle? Can we just stop here? God says, we can't. I won't force you. The hardest thing to do is to believe. The hardest thing to do is to dream when you've had years of delay and disappointment. But I want to invite our church, for those of you who have fasted, for those of you who have prayed, I want you to prepare your spirit and prepare your heart because we're stepping into a new season where God is going to remove veils and He already is removing them. But God is also going to take us out from the place of limitation, stagnation, fear and excuses. Where God's going to be breaking off limits off of us and to begin to dream with God. And we might not have a formula or a strategy, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are together in humility and in hunger for God. And God will open the doors when no man could open for us. And God will shut the doors that no man could shut for us. And we will see the glory of God. Why is this vision so important? Vision fuels discipline. Children don't struggle with discipline. They struggle with lack of purpose. Parents enforce discipline on their children, but you can't force discipline on children. You got to give them a cause worth dying for. And they will find their discipline. If you struggle with discipline, in reality, you're not struggling with discipline. You're struggling with vision. When Abraham got vision, he got circumcised right after that. <laughs> because discipline is a flow of vision. But this vision, it wasn't just for Abraham to have Abraham Ministry International. God says, I'm going to change your name. Your wife will be also a part of this. Her name will change and there will be kids that will be involved. Vision brings that. The vision of souls and discipleship involves your family, involves your husband, it involves your children, involves your children's children. You may say, what about me? God will take care of us, but we have to get His vision for our life, not just our vision. Amen. We have prayed for double-digit salvations for so long when we didn't have any salvations. 
Today we see double-digit salvations almost every weekend. The Lord this week put on my heart to begin to pray for triple-digit salvations. For us to see 100 people getting saved every single weekend. It might take us 10 years, it might take us 3 years, it might take us 20 years. I want us to begin to envision 100 people giving their life to Jesus every single weekend. I want us to begin to envision 1,000 people and more coming to Hungry Gen every single weekend. I know it creates a logistic nightmare. Some of you say, Vlad, did you see the parking lot? Blindly, yes. <laughs> I looked through the window and I said, Lord, I don't want to look at it again. Did you see that we don't have enough space? I know all of what tent entails. But the Lord is not asking us to dream in the tent. He's asking us to dream outside of the tent. He's not asking you to believe in your box of limitation. He's asking you to break the box and come out of that and begin to dream a dream that only God can dream. How is this going to be possible? Angel said to Mary, he says, it is impossible with men, but the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be overshadowed by the presence of God. And that which you will birth will be from God. No men will take the credit for. I will bring that vision to fruition. Church dream believe because this is what God had for us. Samuel you are sitting here today and you will remember this message 20 years down the road when you will be the one launched to start a campus. When you will remember this because God will use you not only to start a small group. Right now it's a challenge to think about starting a small group. Small group is not where you're going to end. Leading a campus is where you're going to lead. Going to another nation and starting a kingdom of God there where God's, God's going to take some of you. And the little child dream that you carried when you were 15 at the camp and somebody prophesied that you're going to be a pastor. You think you forgot it. God hasn't. That thing is still going to be there. And even if it's been 15 years, God is not on your time clock. But today He's asking you which tent have you gotten so comfortable in that you're trying to fit your dream in but it doesn't fit into this tent. And God says, I want you to come out of this tent. Let this year be that one thing that the Lord's been asking you that's out of your comfort zone. That's out of you. That's just not me. I don't do that kind of stuff. That's just not. That's not. Nobody in our family does this stuff. It doesn't matter. The Lord is inviting you to look at the stars and dream His dream and believe in His vision. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you are blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe and send it to someone. And don't forget, you can always share it on your social stories. Stay connected with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information on internship, prayer line, conferences, and other resources, go to HungryGen.com. Remember, better is not good enough. The best is yet to come.